Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're a Bible-believing church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and to see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Well, hey, this week we're in week three of a message series called Chasing Carrots, and since this is Mother's Day uh, 2022, we're excited to uh, have Jessica Blay, who is uh, my wife and also works on our staff as our Connections Director, and she's going to be sharing an incredible message all about pursuing the carrot of perfection. I know this message is going to connect not only with mothers, but all of us who deal with the pursuit of perfection. Hope you enjoy Hey, good morning. My name is Jessica, and I am so very glad, and it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. We have been talking in a series called Chasing Carrots, which is talking about our endless pursuit of more. And today, what I would like to speak to you about is I want to talk about the unhealthy pursuit of perfection. Dun, 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 right? This is not something that I have figured out in my life. As a matter of fact, when Nathan presented this and said, hey, this is where we're at with the series, would you deliver a message about this? I said, I can't. Uh, I don't have this figured out in my life. Like, this is very much a struggle for me. So I do not have this together. So I don't know if this message will speak to you, but as I've been preparing, it's definitely been speaking to me because I have some unhealthy expectations of myself. I have some, I feel the expectation of other people. I feel the expectation of God. And it's sometimes it's really hard to live up to those things. How many would you say the same thing? You're like, yeah, that's me too. If I don't get a perfect, then I have a hard time with it, right? That's me. But yet, somehow, I don't find it hard to show grace to other people. For example, if, if my friends did something, they didn't miss, you know, they missed the mark, or my kids did something, we all say, it's okay, nobody's perfect, right? We get that. We can extend grace to other people, but somehow, when it comes to ourselves, we can have these unreasonably high expectations of ourselves. I wanted to start with this quote here from Brene Brown. I thought it was such a good way to start. When perfectionism is driving us, Shame is riding shotgun, and fear is the annoying backseat driver. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? And it's, you know, even more intimidating as we read Scripture. I want to talk about this Scripture in Matthew 5.48. It starts out, and Jesus is saying this. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your Father, Heavenly Father, is perfect. Awesome. Be perfect. Great. No problem, right? Like, don't ever sin. Don't ever think a negative thought. Don't ever be critical of one another. Just be perfect. Awesome. And that's really a special message for you ladies today on Happy Mother's Day, right? We can just be perfect because after all, I don't think any mother ever feels they're perfect. As a matter of fact, we usually feel like this. Let's look at this thing here. I saw this little picture. Am I a good mother, Susan? My name is Amy, <laughs> right? It's hard for us as moms. Man, I've got a, I've, I named all my kids with N's, so it's like this is every day of the week for me. I'm just, I go through every single name before I get to the right one. It's impossible, moms. It is impossible for us to be perfect, and yet somehow we have these absolutely perfect expectations of ourselves. To be a good mother, I think sometimes we feel some of these things. Here, let's check this out. We, need to, we have to have a Pinterest-worthy home. We want to keep a nice house, make sure that everything's tidy and looks the way it should. We, we feel we need to have good looks. We gotta work hard to make sure we're like ready for the Instagram posts, right? We we wanna have good play dates for our kids. We want them all to be so socially rounded and taken care of, right? We crafty. Every good mom knows how to use a glue gun, right? Owns a cricket machine. Yeah, no, not me. A successful career. We feel the weight to make sure we're we're being successful in our careers. 
Oh, we want to have elaborate birthday parties. I have a couple friends that, ha that throw like amazing birthday parties. This is not me, but we do feel the need to have big, huge birthday parties for our kids. Hobbies, because after all, you have to have a hobby because once the kids get, you know, they move away, you got to make sure that you've got something to do for yourself. So you should be investing in yourself. Oh, don't forget to work out. You need to work out at least a few times a week. Make sure your body, you're doing, you're healthy. And you this is the most important one, prayer and devotions. How are we as moms going to lead our kids to have a faith of their own if we're not investing in ourselves and our prayer and our devotion? This should actually be top of the list. I blew it. Uh, laundry and housework, right? That just never goes away. Are you moms feeling this? Are you dads feeling this? Because this is like, this is legit. Okay, next, bathe the kids. I remember those days when you have these little kids, you know, it's like happy hour, you have dinner and then you bath the kids and then you get them into bed as fast as you can, right? Remember those days? Bathe the kids. And then, and then after that, we got to do tuck-ins. And it, are you feeling this? We put these high expectations. And tuck-in must include 13 stories, right? All good moms read lots of stories. Where are we at now? Organic food. Last but not least, we got to make sure we're feeding our kids really well. When I would much rather be eating poutine, right? We feel, the, we feel the weight. We feel the weight to do this right. We feel like we can't win as moms. And maybe it's just me. Does any other mom feel this? Right? We feel like we can't win. And then, and then there's the whole, like, you know, you go to work and you work hard and you're, you know, working, but then you feel like you feel bad. You feel like you should be staying home with your kids when they're little or when they're, you feel like you should be investing there or... Maybe you feel bad because you're glad you're not at home with your kids. You're glad you'll be working, right? We just drive yourself crazy. Or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you're like, man, I should be invest. I should be able to contribute financially to my home. I, I got a degree and now I'm not using it. It's just, we just, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. We have these crazy expectations of ourselves, and it's so hard. We can never meet the mark on our own. We always seem to fall short. This is something I do, personal story. If, and some of you may do this too, if I can't do something 100%, I just won't do it at all. Is there anybody else in the house that's like that? Yeah. If I can't do it 100%, if I can't do it perfect, no thanks. I have a friend, I don't know if she's here today, but she invites me to go disc golfing all the time. There she is, she's waving her hand to the back. And I'm like, ah, sorry, you know, I'm busy, I've got stuff to do. Right? I don't want to do it if I can't do it 100%. Or maybe you might find yourself that you... Um, you may obsess a little bit over stuff. Like, you want to get it exactly right. Some of you may have one of these in your home. I have one of these in my home. They just want to get it exactly right. Almost to the time that sometimes we can become inefficient or ineffective. We just, we just kind of overdo it. We overdo it. Perfection can actually, it can actually be the enemy of progress. And I want to suggest today... Sorry, MJ, I did it again. I jumped ahead. But I want to suggest today that this, all of this is not just a mom problem. This is an all-of-us problem. This is an all-of-us problem. We're all kind of just working and working and trying to get this right. I want to talk today about three types of perfectionists. And you may find yourself in one of these categories. Or maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe some of you have got this entirely figured out. And you can share tips with me after. But there are three types of perfectionists. And you may see yourself in one of these. So the first type of perfectionist, I think, is the self-oriented perfectionist. And I'm going to read this so I don't miss this. The self-oriented perfectionist are the ones, these are the people that have these expectations that we put on ourselves. Okay, so if this is you, you hold unrealistically high expectation of yourself, and you battle with feelings of guilt sometimes. Sometimes we obsess to the point of ineffectiveness, just like the, th the examples I shared before. If this is you, you might be prone to procrastinate 
and you may struggle, struggle with deep feelings of inadequacy. So that's the self-oriented perfectionist. Some of you may feel like, mm, that's me. Number two, we have the externally oriented perfectionist. And what they do is these are the people that feel like other people expect something of them. You believe that someone has an expectation of you. So you believe others expect you to be perfect. And to cope with the pressure, you often use self-deprecating humor as a defense. Some of you are like, uh, that's me. Uh, you often feel alone, sometimes depressed. You feel secretly desperate because you know that you'll never be good enough or live up to your own ideas of what other people expect of you. Ooh, it's heavy. Thanks, Jess. This is such an encouraging message. Just thank you so very much. Okay, number three, we have the others-oriented perfectionist. Maybe this is you. This is when you impose expectations on someone else, okay? So if this is you, you expect people to live up to your impossible standards. Your challenge is that you might lack empathy. And because you lack empathy, sometimes you're tempted to tear down others or use abrasive or demeaning humor towards those that don't meet your standards. Some of you may have had parents like this. Some of you, some of us, some of me, our parents like this. We have these crazy high expectations of our kids. And I think sometimes we have the tendency to think that perfectionism might be a psychological issue, but I believe at the very root of it, I believe this is a spiritual issue. I believe this is a spiritual issue, and the reason is, is because perfectionism, I feel, is a covering. It's a covering. We, cover, we want to cover our insecurities. We want to cover our fears. We don't want anybody to see them. And so if we're thinking about it theologically, we're actually we're, we're covering up our sinfulness, right? We don't want anyone to see that. I'm thinking about the story in the Bible. Anybody heard of these people named Adam and Eve? Right? Yeah. Adam and Eve, then they were in the garden, and it talks about in Genesis 3, where they were walking along with God in the garden, and everything was beautiful, and everybody was happy, and they were in harmony with God. And then the Bible tells us that they sinned, and they stepped away. And when they did that, they immediately felt insecure and ashamed. And the Bible tells us that what those guys did is they, they went and found some fig leaves, and they sewed the fig leaves together, and it says they made themselves loincloths, is what the Bible says. They wanted to cover themselves. Immediately, they felt the need to cover and to hide. They wanted to create an image of what they thought people should see. So what do we do with all of this? If at the root, perfectionism is a spiritual problem, then I feel like at the root, we should invite God into that. We should invite God into helping us solve this problem of perfectionism. And so if we look at this next scripture, Romans 3, verse 20, Paul, it's almost as if he's speaking right into this perfectionistic attitude, these ideas. He says, for no one. If we stop right there, no one. Not me, not you, not the grandparents in the room, definitely not the teenagers in the room, definitely not. For no one, not us, can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. We don't have it. We can't on our own. There's no way. We can't meet it. There's this law out there. There is absolutely no way on our own that we can perform or we can get close enough to God by making the right choices. We cannot do it on our own. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So you say, well, why did, why did God create this law that's unmeasurable? Well, Paul just said, the law shows us that we need help. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. We can't do it on our own. We need grace. We need mercy. 
There's absolutely nothing. We can never be good enough on our own. We as Christians, we know we have these Ten Commandments, right? And if you think about it, in the Bible, actually, when those were first written, those guys, they had like 600 commandments to, to, to keep up with. But we, we have Ten Commandments. And if we just look at the Ten Commandments alone, thou shalt not lie, right? If you say, well, I haven't lied. Well, you just lied. We've all lied. We've all lied, right? Don't covet. Don't want what someone else has. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Like, these, we, we can't do this stuff on our own. Honor your mother and your father all your days on the earth. We, we can't. It's impossible for us to keep up these standards all on our own. And the problem is, is that we don't want to talk about that, right? Nobody wants to hear that we're doing, we're missing the mark, we're doing it wrong. Like, no one wants to hear, like, you come to church and I'm telling you you're bad. But the bottom line is, is we are bad. We're all bad, Right? Thanks for coming to church. If this is your first day today, I just want to thank you for coming. You're bad, right? Like, nobody wants to hear that. That's not a message we want to hear. But the bottom line is, if we don't recognize we're sinners, we will never, ever recognize our need for a Savior, right? We need to know that we, our heart is deceitful above all things. On our own, we can't meet that standard. It doesn't matter how good we are. We cannot meet that standard on our own. Every one of us, has fallen short of God's standard. We don't have the capacity to live up to God's standards on our own. And this is why the law is so beautiful. This is why it's so very important for us to see God's law because it recognize, we recognize that I need help. I, I can't be perfect on my own, right? We look at that law and we see that. So with all of that, then, how are we, how are we made right with God? How are we made right with God? And I think sometimes we, who have been Christians for many, many years, or we've been in the church, we just get used to this. This is just something I heard in Sunday school and whatever. We take it for granted. But the bottom line is that we are only made right with God through Jesus. Jesus alone. It's not like our religious works, like us coming here to church today, that doesn't get us any closer to the mark right? Us like doing only good things, that doesn't get us closer to the mark. Us maybe like eliminating a couple bad things, it, it, it doesn't work. The only way we get to God is through Jesus. Jesus, the perfect son of God, the sinless sacrifice who made a way for us, who forgave us so that we can step close to God. It's only Jesus. It's not Jesus plus church. It's not Jesus plus religious works. It's Jesus. It's Jesus alone. That's so powerful. I think sometimes we forget that. Where would we be without the grace of God? Where would we be without it? It is absolutely not about perfectionism. It's about grace. And so I want to just contrast a few things here because if we look at perfectionism and grace, they live on the opposite end of the spectrum. Perfectionism is based on what I do. It's, I've done the right thing. I give to the church. I serve in Pathway Kids. That's extra points, by the way. Or youth group. That's extra points. But it has nothing to do with what we do. It's absolutely what he has done. It's absolutely dependent on what he has done. It's on his righteousness. It's about his goodness. Perfectionism says it's all about me. It's all about me. I can do it myself. I had a little one that used to do that. I don't need help. I'll do it myself. But no, we can't do it ourselves. Grace says it's all about Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's, it's all about what he's done. It, perfectionism says, if I obey God, God will love me. 
I do the right things, God's going to love me. You know what? This is really easy growing up in the church. This is really, really easy. This, this, is, this is where I lived. I thought, well, I, I do the right things. I, I've done the right things. I've said the right scriptures. I didn't say any bad words. I came home at curfew. I've, if I obey, if I do the right things, then absolutely God will love me. But it, it's not that. It's because God loves me, I can obey. It's out of what he's done for me that I get to obey. It's because of his grace that I choose to obey. It's a response to his goodness. Perfectionism says it's living for God's approval. Again, we're doing everything we can trying to meet the standard. But grace is we live from God's approval. We live from God's approval because of what he's done. I already have his approval, so I can move forward because of what he's done. It's not by works lest any man can boast. It is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done, I don't have to live a perfect life. I can take the heat off a little bit. I don't have to try to be perfect. We don't have to try to live up to these standards. We have a response to step into the grace of God. That is so powerful. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. And for someone, like I said, like me, who can be tempted, I want to impress or I want to do the right thing, This takes the pressure off because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus does. And if we truly understand this, I think it it goes for more than just head knowledge. And it it becomes who we are. It becomes how we live. It's so very important. And so I want to talk about a couple little um, application points because this is so good for us to know the grace of God. But what do we do with all this? How do we live this out? And so I think because of Jesus and because of his goodness, we get to choose people over perfection. We get to choose people over perfection. We get to choose that instead of performing and perfectionism, we get to choose intimacy and connection with people. And this is where the rubber hits the road with me because I don't do this really well. I really like to do tasks. I get really busy. I put things in front of people very, very naturally. And I think a really good illustration of this is if we look at John 10, verse 38, there's a story of a couple sisters in the Bible. And truthfully, the story has always irritated me just a tad as I read it, because probably because I see myself in it, and probably because, well, it just irritates me. But let's watch it. It's about Mary and Martha, and they're hosting Jesus for this dinner party. So let's read this together. And as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. I would consider myself to be a Martha. I absolutely consider myself to be a Martha. Her sister Mary sat. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now, I just only can think of this through the lens of if this was my sister... Now, and as I shared, my sister is a Martha as well. So if Jesus came to our house, we'd both be in the kitchen and Jesus would be like, what am I doing here? Like, nobody's out here talking to me. But, but let's just pretend. I would be like, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. I would be so irritated if I was having a dinner party at my house and I was the only one getting up and doing all the work. And Ray was sitting there, sitting around at Jesus' feet. I would have a hard time with that. Next up. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Can you feel this? Any other women read this and go like, now what's up with Mary? Like, come on. Okay. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, it does, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? 
Tell her to come and help me. Right? We know obviously by this seem unfair that Martha was the firstborn of the family, right? Martha was definitely the firstborn. But she, she's just absolutely miffed. Like, I cannot believe this. I'm doing all the work. Mary's sitting around. I've got this dinner to prepare. And here we go. Everybody's coming to my house. Now, now first of all, too, I want to stop and say, I don't think it's bad that we prepare or that we do things. I mean, if Martha wasn't opening up her home to have Jesus to have dinner, there would be no reason to get together, right? So Martha's not all bad in this story. Without Martha, there would be no dinner party, right? Okay, next. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, can you hear it? My dear Jessica, that would be so irritating. You're worried and upset over all these details. Can you hear Jesus? My dear Martha, come on. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. You see, he was asking Martha to choose people over perfection. Now, I often wonder how the story actually ended, right? Like, we don't actually get to to see the end of the story. Like, we know that obviously it was important enough it made it to the Gospels. But what happened? Like, what happened after that? Do you ever wonder? Like, did Mary and Martha go look in Jesus' eyes? And, you know, he was probably like, it was like, oh, Martha, my dear Martha. And she, did she just go like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're right. You know, sit down beside him. We don't need to make dinner. We can order falafel or whatever in the world it was that they ate back then. Right? Is that what happened? Or, 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 or did she, like, stomp off back to the kitchen? My dear you know, who knows how it ended? But I hope that she did. I think Jesus, the challenge here is he was saying, choose people over perfection. And so, so often, I get this wrong. I get this wrong. I ask my family. My family's sitting here so they can hold me accountable. If, when we were in the pandemic, in the midst of it, like really in the deep, deep, dark shadows of it, when we were all locked down, I can remember, do you guys remember when we made lists of people we thought we would invite over for dinner, right? We were like, when we get out of this, we're going to invite people over for dinner. And I remember saying to my kids, you know, it won't matter, guys. People is so important. We realize how much we've missed people. It won't matter. If you ask to have somebody over, the answer will always be yes, right? Did I say that? I absolutely said that. And yet, now that we're out of this, if the kids ask, I'm like, well, your room isn't very tidy. Well, we have to do some things, right? It's so easy. And again, it's, please don't hear me saying that that stuff is bad. It's absolutely not bad. But my tendency can be to sometimes put those things before people. And even deeper, if we talk about putting people over perfection, if we talk even deeper about this, we've had, um, I've had the opportunity for the last couple of years to be involved with a, with a mentor group. And these group of ladies have been an amazing group. And every month we read a book and we are required to memorize scripture. And it's, it's pretty, it's like, it's high, it's, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of accountability. And it's been really powerful. And coming out of this, we're, we're now finishing after two years, and a lot of the women have said, you know what, this has been life-changing for me. This has been so amazing. And, and I would like to say some of the stuff is the books, and some of the stuff is definitely, obviously, memorizing God's Word is so very important. But I think the reason why this group has been so powerful has been because we all came to that group ready to be vulnerable, ready to say, you know what, I don't have it entirely together. It's a safe place where people have come and said, will you pray with me? I'm struggling with this. And I just kind of wonder, what would the church be like? Not just Pathway Church, but what would the church as a whole be like? If we would allow ourselves to just be honest about where we're at. Because I think sometimes we put this, 
this expectation of church. Everybody's got to be fine. Everybody's got to whatever. And I'm not talking about just coming in and spilling your stuff to everybody that walks by, you know, the greeter at the door. (laughs) I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having a safe place, having a few people where you can be vulnerable about that. What would happen if we chose people over perfection? Just something to think about. I think, I think it would be really powerful. So not only do we get to choose people over per- perfection, but second, I believe we get to choose love over performance. We can choose the perfect love of our Father rather than in trying to impress Him or trying to impress someone else. And why does this matter? Because what is the spirit of perfectionism? I feel like the spirit of perfectionism, it's a covering. It's a covering for our deep fears. It's a covering It's a covering for insecurities, it covers up our sinfulness, it covers our shame, it covers our guilt. Maybe we have a fear of being judged, maybe we have a fear of rejection, whatever it is, perfectionism is a covering. We want to make sure everybody thinks everything's okay. But it's a bad covering, it's not a good covering. You don't have to be perfect. I don't don't have to be perfect. But somehow we feel we do. But I'm telling you, you don't have to be perfect. And if we look at the beginning, we started with this scripture. And when I started with it, it says, be perfect as your father also is perfect. So Jessica, what are you telling us? And I think it's important when we're reading scripture, like Pastor Nathan always tells us, we need to read scripture in context. So let's look at that scripture and let's look at the verses before and the verses after. And I think it'll help us understand that this passage of scripture is not about performance. It's about love. It's about love. It's about God asking us to love others and allowing his love into our hearts. And so let's read that, Matthew 5, verses 43 to 48. You've heard that it was said, and this is Jesus speaking, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Here it is. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, he's talking about love. Perfect right here. This word, actually, I'm going to stand a little smarty pants for a second right here, is a Greek word, and it's translated teleos. And that word means that you don't have to be perfect in performance. Instead, it means to be mature, to be made whole, to be complete. So, for example, it's kind of talking about the reference, like if you had a five-year-old little boy as opposed to a 25-year-old boy. Do you notice I use 25 for mature boys? Because... Smart friends of mine who are doctors told me that brains aren't actually together until you're 25. I just threw that in for free, boys. So when you're 25 and you're whole and you're complete, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about being mature. It's talking about being complete. And so Jesus is saying, he's talking about love. He's saying be perfect in your love for people, not in your performance. This is so key for me, especially for someone with me who maybe have a little bit of perfectionist tendencies for us to understand We don't have to perform. We don't have to work hard because sometimes I feel like I have to to measure up, right? I don't want to disappoint anyone. I don't want to let anyone down. And so I feel like sometimes maybe I might not be a good enough mom. Moms, sometimes we feel it, but you know what? God has called us. 
God could have sent you any kids, and he sent you the children that you have for a reason because he's given you what you need to raise them. And I have to remind myself that because sometimes I feel like I'm blowing it. And that's normal. I think that's what we get to being moms. But we feel that. I feel like I'm not going to be a good enough wife. Nathan and I, sometimes we feel like we're not going to be good enough pastors. Newsflash, we're not going to be <laughs> just, just putting that out there, just throwing that out there. We want to perform. We want to win people's approval. But bottom line is, it's not our calling to win someone's approval. It's not your calling to win someone else's approval. Our calling is not to convince people of how good we are. Our calling is to convince people of how good God is. That is what our calling is. It's not about our performance, guys. It's entirely about Jesus. And, and I think about back when our kids were learning to walk, right? Some of you might have little toddlers. And they were learning to walk, and they'd get all up, and they'd get strong, and they'd, they'd kind of wobble around, and they'd take a step, and they'd fall down. If they fell down, we were never like, oh, loser kid, can't believe you don't know how to walk, your legs don't, right? We'd never say that to our kids. Instead, we're like, good job, you did it, get up, take another step, I'm standing here, daddy's standing here, we're waiting, we're just ready for you to take that next step. And that, I believe, is what God, that is his his stance towards us. He's not looking at us if we make a mistake. He's not looking at our past. He's not looking at you right now. Maybe you're in a mess right now. Maybe you're doing the wrong stuff right now. God is not looking at that. He's saying, get up and try again. I love you. I'm for you. We don't have to perform. Love is not something that God does. Love is who he is. And we get the chance to step into that love. We get the chance to not try to get everyone's approval and be perfect, but we can step into his grace that's available to us. And we get to do that because we're already approved because of what Jesus did. Like we talked about, it's all about Jesus. It has nothing to do with what we did. So as we finish today, I just want to challenge you. We can let that sink in. We have the opportunity to choose people over perfection. We can choose love over performance. We can be entirely mature and complete in what God has already done for us. We can, we can accept the love that he has for us. The pressure's off. That is good gospel news. You don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect. So thankful for that. Can we pray together as we close? Father, I want to thank you so much for every, every person, every heart represented here. And God, I just, I just have to thank you so very much for all that you've done for us, Lord. We don't have to strive on our own. We don't have to keep trying to do things the right way. We, we, can, we can lean on your grace. We can know that you've made a way for us. God, thank you for your grace. Forgive us, God, for trying to accomplish things that you've already done for us. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to surrender and to know that you are for us. God, help us to choose people. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next week.